hot belly. His black pants were knife-creased, his black shoes were shiny and spotless. When he saw me, his rosebud mouth puckered into a frown. Thank goodness! His plum-colored cheeks shook, the silvery curls lining his neck trembled. Are these people pigs that I have to work in this trough? I may need money, but I have standards. I put down my box and gave him a quick hug. You're never happy. But I'm here, and I brought the non-meat entree you requested, main dish cheesecakes made with gruyere and spinach. He tisked while I checked the ancient oven's illegible thermostat. The oven is hot? Whose recipe? Julian Teller's, now training to become a vegetarian chef. I lifted the cakes from the box and slid them into the oven to reheat. Now put me to work. I helped Andre pour out the tangy sauces that would accompany the delicate spring rolls he stuffed with fat steamed shrimp, sprigs of cilantro, and lemongrass. Then we stirred chopped pears into the red wine vinaigrette, counted Parker House rolls and baguettes, and discussed the layout of the buffet. Prince and Grogan was the client of record, but Ian's Images was running the show. Ian Hood. Does fashion photography for money? Andre announced as he checked his menu, and nature photography for fun. You know this? From Andre's scratched, overloaded red cooking equipment box, one I knew well from our days at his restaurant, I nabbed the old-fashioned scoop he used to make butterballs. I know his pictures of elk. I said, "You can't live in Aspen Meadow and miss 'em." Andre pursed his lips again and handed me the block of chilled butter. The helpers are day contractors working for Prince and Grogan. The word contractor, unfortunately, instantly brought my trashed kitchen to mind. Forget it for now. You have work to do. I scraped the butter into dense, creamy balls, then wrapped the breads in foil while Andre counted his platters. When the cheesecakes emerged, golden brown and puffed, they filled the small kitchen with a heavenly aroma. Andre asked me to take them out to the buffet. I stocked the first tray, lifted it up to my shoulder, and nudged through the kitchen door. When I entered the great room, a loudly barked order made me jump. Take off your shirt. This was not what I was expecting, because the noise outside the kitchen had abated. I thought the room was empty and that the models' auditions had been moved elsewhere. I was obviously wrong. But my immediate concern was the cheesecakes. With great care, I slid the steaming concoction safely onto the counter. They looked gorgeous, fit for the centerfold of gourmet. Best to avoid thoughts of gorgeous, I reminded myself as I placed a crystal bowl of andive and radicchio nearby. Truth to tell, for this booking, I'd been a bit apprehensive in the appearance department. Foodie magazines these days eagerly screamed a new trend: today's caterer should offer pretty servers in addition to beautiful food. Submit headshots along with menus. I pushed the butter balls onto the counter, keenly aware of my unfashionably curly blonde hair and plump 33-year-old body beneath a white shirt, loose black skirt, and white apron. I hadn't submitted a photo. Of course, neither had Andre, who was now fuming at a kitchen intruder. I sighed and moved a plate of juicy honeydew melon and luscious fat raspberries onto the counter. With one hand still gripping the tray, 
I inhaled uncertainly, then parted the cloth folds of the bread basket. Self-doubt again reared its unattractive head. Will the fashion folks eat this? And while you're at it, take off your pants, the same voice barked. For sportswear? A man squealed in dismay. I turned and peered past the bent wood chairs. By the far bank of windows, a solitary young man stood in front of a trio of judges. The judges, two women and a man, all of whom I knew, perched on a slatted bench. None of them looked happy. Nearest was Hannah Clapper, dark-haired, wide-faced, fifty-ish, recently and unhappily divorced. Hannah was familiar to me from my stint as a volunteer at Aspen Meadows' Homestead Museum. With her authoritarian voice and exacting ways, Hannah had designed exhibits installed by trembling docents, yours truly included. According to Andre, Hannah had landed the job of artistic director at Prince and Grogan. I was amazed to see that she had shed her gingham smock and sensible shoes wardrobe for an elegant black silk shirt, tie, and pants. Her mahogany-colored hair, formerly pulled into a severe bun, was now shaped into a fashionably angled page boy. This wasn't just a new job, it was a metamorphosis. Hannah opened and closed her fists as she chided the male model. The gorgeous fellow argued back. I wondered how Hannah's exhibits on cattle rustling meets cowboy cooking and gunslingers, their gripes and their girls, had prepared her for ordering models to strip. In any event, I certainly wouldn't want her judging my body. The woman next to her on the bench was a bit younger. Leah Smythe, small-boned and delicately featured, wore her blonde-streaked hair in a shaggy pixie cut. She had jumped up and was now holding out her hands in a pleading gesture to the model. Andre had confided to me that Leah was the big cheese here today, the woman with the power, the casting director for Ian's Images. Leah also owned the cabin. When Ian's Images was not engaged in a shoot, Leah allowed Merciful Migrations to use the space for elk tracking, fundraising, and salt lick distribution. The man seated next to Hannah and Leah, photographer Ian Hood, had a handsome, fine-boned face, wavy salt-and-pepper hair, and a trim beard. Ian's photos of trotting elk, grazing elk, big buck elk, and mom and baby elk graced the libraries, grocery stores, post offices, banks, and schools of Aspen Meadow and Blue Spruce. He took wildlife very seriously. My best friend, Marla Corman, other ex-wife of my ex-husband, had sent Ian a dozen elk burgers when he criticized her fundraising abilities. He hadn't spoken to her since. Do you want this job or not? Hannah brusquely asked the model. I sneaked another peek at him. He was in his late twenties, indisputably from the Greek god category of guys. His ultra-dark curly hair, olive complexion, and perfectly shaped aquiline features complemented wide shoulders above an expansive chest, only slightly paunchy waist, and long legs. But his handsome face was pinched in frustration. Worse, his tall, elegant body, clothed in fashionably wrinkled beige clothing, didn't seem too steady on its feet. Hands on hips, Hannah looked intensely annoyed. Leah sadly shook her head. 
Ian gestured angrily and squawked something along the lines of, You have to be able to compete. If you can't compete, get out of the business. I hate competing, I muttered under my breath. Apollo and Khaki snapped. We're having a few problems, so what? I'm the best guy for this job, and you know it. From the cabin's far door, footsteps and the clank of tools announced one of the construction workers. Tall and gangly, this fellow traipsed into the great room and thoughtfully rubbed a beard so uneven and scruffy it looked pasted on his ultra-pale skin. After a moment, he picked up a framed picture and centered it on the wall. I broke out in a sweat and turned back to the buffet. Please, I prayed, no hammering. Unfortunately, the crack of metal hitting log wall conjured up my commercial kitchen, retrofitted into our old house, as it was being destroyed by our general contractor, Gerald Elliott. One of the reasons I'd been interested in catering here at the cabin was that apparently Merciful Migrations had hired Gerald to do some remodeling, then fired him before paying him a cent. I wish I'd been that smart. As the hammer banged away, I pictured Gerald Elliott, his yellow mane spilling to his shoulders, his muscled arms gesturing as he promised he could easily install a new bay window, my ex-husband had destroyed the original, over my sink. He had brandished his power saw, destroyed the window's casing and surrounding wall, then ripped through an adjoining cupboard. By accident, he said. I groaned, plugged in the electric warmer, and moved the cheesecakes on top. I was here, I was working. I would even be paid, and I needed the money. Before Gerald Elliott had sliced into our kitchen wall, the new catering outfit in town had cut my business by 30%. And unfortunately, on day one of the two days Gerald Elliott had actually worked for me, he pocketed the full $700 down payment on the new window installation. On day two, he covered the gaping hole he'd made with plastic sheets, hopped into his pickup truck, and roared away. I straightened the row of spring rolls bulging with fat pink shrimp. Focus, I told myself. At least in this cabin there's a kitchen, although it wasn't in very good shape either. What else? I asked Andre on my next trip to the kitchen, hoping I sounded cheerful. Drinks? serving utensils, the butter, and ice. He looked up from what he was doing, his wide blue eyes merry. Guess what I just found out. They fired Gerald Elliott for sleeping with a model. I sighed. Andre loved gossip. It was one of the reasons he despised retirement. I swung back out to the buffet with my newly loaded tray. Sleeping with a model, eh? At least Gerald Elliott was getting some sleep. This was not the case with my friends, the Burrs, whose house was to be the site for the second part of this fashion shoot. Neither one of them was getting much sleep at all these days, thanks once again to good old Gerald Elliott. In April, Cameron and Barbara Burr had been convinced the sunroom Gerald Elliott was adding onto their house would be completed by August. That was a month before Ian's Images was scheduled to set up the P&G catalog's outdoor shots, using as a backdrop the Burr's spectacular view of the Continental Divide's snow-capped peaks. Gerald Elliott had already been working on the sunroom for 11 months, admittedly off and on, but what was left to be done? Ah, but the windows had been delayed. 
For some reason, the drywall couldn't go up until the windows were in. Elliot had had a cash flow problem. He'd sailed off to his next job. Mountain breezes swirling through the house at night had forced Barbara Burr into the hospital with pneumonia. Cameron Burr had moved into his guest house. The last I'd heard, Barbara's pulmonologist had put her on a ventilator. Maybe when the P&G catalog was done, all of Gerald Elliott's former clients could have a lunch and form a chiseled by a contractor support group. But not today. Today I was catering with Andre, watching models undress, taking food to malnourished, depressed Cameron Burr, trying to think of new ways to make money, worrying about my husband's conflicts with an arrogant prosecutor, and calling down to Lutheran Hospital to see if Barbara Burr had died. That was enough for one day, wasn't it? Don't ask. The angry voices on the far side of the room intensified. I hustled back to the kitchen. When I returned with the knives and forks, the popping noise of a battery-operated screwdriver abruptly ceased. Hannah's enraged voice grated through the still air. One last time, do you want to do swimwear or not? You know the rules. We have to see your body. I glanced around to see the Greek god slowly unbuttoning his shirt. The faces of the three judges swiveled. Their eyes drilled me. Embarrassed, I whirled and clattered together a batch of serving spoons. Go away, Andre's strained voice rose from the kitchen. No food until later. Guard my buffet, Goldie. The door slammed. My palms itched. I glanced at the spread on the counter, then out the window. Guard the buffet? How? The waiting models had briefly taken their nervousness outside, but now they were massing at the cabin door. Beyond the aspens, a warm August breeze wrinkled the dark expanse of the creek, which bent in a ragged U-shape around the cabin. Sunlight played over a huge boulder abutting the creek. I smiled and briefly wished Arch were with me. My son would have instantly pointed out how much the enormous rock resembled an elephant, which of course it did. Carefully, I smoothed plastic wrap over the butter balls and unloaded the pewter bread and butter plates. I picked up the tray and tried to summon up some of the old resolve I felt so lacking these days. You know, Bobby, we don't really care that you were out partying last night, Hannah was saying earnestly to the Greek god. We don't care why you wore baggy clothing today. Your stomach's not flat and your eyes are bloodshot. Bloodshot and bulging don't sell swimwear. You're too damn hard to please, Bobby, with...